Blog Talk Radio. Pagans Tonight Radio, the voice of the pagan world, featuring the man with all the questions that some don't want you to hear. Called the most dangerous person you will ever listen to, the ever-curious digital pioneer, Ed the Pagan. Welcome, everybody, one and all, to the show of Pagans Tonight Radio as we are embarking on our second fantastic night. I want to thank you for all the support I've gotten so far. And how many of you appreciated the Byron Ballard uh, interview that I did? And, yes, it is was different from, from how other people talk. I really want to know more things than you can possibly imagine. I don't necessarily want to know about your book. I want to know what you what moves you, what gets you. I want to know what my audience thinks. I want to know everything I possibly can because I'm infinitely curious and I'm a child of awe and wonder. And so I'm always asking some of the questions. So I want to fill out this week. We're going to do um, we're going to talk a little bit about online community and um, rise of the techno witch. I think is going to be part of that. And uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about the 20th anniversary of Witch Cool, which is a sponsor of Pagans Tonight Radio. Pagans Tonight Radio is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anywhere, anytime online magical education. And so tomorrow we're going to talk more about that. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to talk with people from the uh, from Witch School. So if you have any questions about Witch School, just kind of you know, find me online at the Pagan Everywhere, including Gmail. And send me your questions, your ideas, your thoughts. And if you want to be a guest on the show, just do the same thing. You can DM me. You can contact me almost anywhere. Because I exist almost everywhere online. And that's where we start with my conversation tonight. What's next for the online community? As you know that I became an early user of Zoom. Uh, before even the COVID hit, We were using, I was using Zoom. Because it was a good messenger among startups and other sort of technological groups that I'm involved with that are advancing the technology of the world. And uh, mostly through social media, online sensors. You know, I'm deep into VR. I love the idea of it. I'm really a big believer in something called the metaverse. But I am rushing ahead so fast on what we should be talking about. So let me offer the first thing. What's next for the online community? And I'm presuming, people are presuming talking about pagan community, but I'm really not. I'm talking about Three and a half, almost four billion people who are on the internet now, in one form or another, and the rest of everybody going to be on the internet here relatively quickly. We're going to add who's the next billion. You know, that changes everything because the internet works in a very interesting way. It's it, it enhances one human ability, and most people don't recognize it. And especially in the pagan community, it does the same thing. So there's this idea that humanity works in this distributed, let me say it right, distributed intelligence. Yes. I don't want to cause so many of that isms. We're, we're going to just put that aside. That's another time, you know. Um, but distributed edu- intelligence and knowledge, meaning that our knowledge is distributed amongst many, many, many brains. It was originally amongst brains of the tribe. Not everybody could learn everything and do everything. And so once we learned how to cooperate, we began to create 
some specialization amongst the tribes. Every generation would have to have most of those workers in some place or another. And oftentimes it was probably believed and within relatively, it makes sense that it was often father to son, mother to daughter, back skills were probably passed down from parents to children, I mean, grandparents to grandchildren as they honed them. But not necessarily. It could be that they allowed more people across the tribe because the tribes were smaller, 150, 200, 300 people. Uh, villages were larger. Um, that we could, they then had people try different jobs out that had to. But every generation had to have for a very longest time is the flint maker, the arrow maker, the food preparer, the hunters. The hunters are probably the singular to this day, singular most important feature of the human tribe. Who hunts the prize? Who hunts food? Still very big. Who's the breadwinner for the house? Who is the guy, who is the guy or gal or any sort of forms these days? Because it doesn't necessarily mean it even has to be a human being that becomes the breadwinner. There's a lot of cats out there winning the bread for their families. Uh, probably the cat for one. So we're seeing our world kind of evolve away from these sort of ideas of the physical form or the idea of generational knowledge because we began a process. But up until uh, up until fairly modern history, until the literally where history started to shift is when we were able to take that distributed information, that knowledge we had in our heads, and we're able to pass on orally to each other. And we still did for the biggest part, and still to today. And once again, we will see the Internet return to the voice commands and voice language. Because ultimately, to understand one thing, you have to understand the, the transcendental object that language is. Can you try to imagine not having language in your life? I mean, literally not being able to communicate what's inside your head in any way that anyone else would understand. You know, we get the story of Babel over that. You know, that's what God totally did. Um, you know, they're all, all humanity had a single language and, and they built a tower to God. And God, because he was angry that they built a tower to him, a rocket, some people say ancient alienists, and we're going to have those guys on our show, too. I really literally kind of know everybody. So here we are. We have this online community, and all of a sudden you have this sort of moment where it's all, you know, where we're all identifying and talking to each other. We can even still getting back to it. That would not have been possible if we didn't have this transcendental object called language. And so once we crossed that threshold of language, we could not go back to the primitive cells we were previous. It was impossible. We just weren't able to do it. When language really kind of permeated, um, we really don't know. We, we're not 100% positive, but it definitely looks like it was very early in that. It could have been homo erectus, if you believe in evolution, which I do. I distinctly believe, not believe, I accept the theory of evolution. I've, I really, every once in a while, I find myself when I'm talking about science into religious talk because I do believe there's a certain a religifying of science that needs to happen. I think science has always been inside our religions. We just use different ways to convey it because we were primarily an oral society. What we really are is a symbolic society. 
we became, when we discovered language, we discovered symbols, arts in the caves, probably all sorts of signals and messages we've, we've built. And now we're coming into an age. Then writing came into being. Language was able to be able, we were able to convey the thought. We were able to hold it into our head that a single symbol, all it had to be was one moment from zero to one, that sort of change. Zero to one, that symbol means to me and everybody in my tribe, the letter A. And that symbol meant cattle. We knew that we had cattle. And then numbers, like how many cattle did we have? We played with numbers for a very long time. It took us a long time to master numbers. Everybody thinks we got it right away, but we didn't. Numbers took us a long time to really master. Uh, we had to invent zeros. Yeah, we'll talk about that. That was a very mystical, magical moment in human history when we had no way of expressing mathematically the idea of nothing to suddenly we have the zero. And that zero led to infinity, and it really altered the way we think. Language changed everything. Then writing changed it again by allowing knowledge to go from generational, from individual, in, within the generation, within, if I were to try to teach you, I had to teach you within my generation, in my life. And whether it be 40 years, which was not uncommon, and people have to be 80. What if I, I could have been a wise old shaman, and it has been probably in my hundreds and hundreds of past lives. Yes, I do believe in past lives. Uh, always have. And I think it's one of the most important battle fronts we're going to get. That's right, soul ownership. So, yeah, and so we began to write. So before writing, right? we could only go and teach as far as the generation that we could see. It means even if I live to be an old child, let me say that I live to be 80 years and that the average member of my tribe was probably giving birth around 13, 14, 15. Right. As, as I would have myself, if I were young, unless it was a weird shaman um, who, because of various reasons did not breed. And that's why I became a shaman and uncle to everybody. So not an uncommon practice. But it, even so, that would have meant if I were lucky and survived that long, I could have seen five generations within that period of 15-year-olds. 15-year-olds, 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 15-year-olds. And that would be the farthest I could have actually taught my skills to someone in there. The idea I would teach somebody immediately and a little bit younger. But in most cases, he would be lucky, and it was very important. They're discovering that grandparents were probably the essential teachers of the tribe because they were the ones that probably influenced because they were slowing down, had more knowledge, could teach the kids, while the younger adults who had given birth and who have these children would have had to deal with more going into the field. They would have had, to have more work. And so as they slowed down, the grandparents who gained more skills leather making, arrowhead making, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right, would have then taught the children. And so language allowed us to teach that. And so all the skills and everything else would be taught within that period of time. And the tribes, the health of the mental of the tribe was how smart they were, would, would have been based 
on how much distributed intelligence they could tap into to answer the questions that they needed and how good that communication between the individuals, how open and how trustworthy they were of each other's information to function. In comes writing, and now we have a change that is absolutely, you can't imagine that being anything else but this. But remember, one time, only the amount only the amount of knowledge in your head was all that he had. And then writing gave us generational. It allowed us to store more information, more data, more experiences, more thoughts, more ideas, more imagery, more information about business, more about the ability to handle not only the immediate, which we see love letters, we saw in customer complaints, and and they left it in stone clay early days, and they built this sort of idea of language where they were able to very much communicate to each other, and because we can learn their language now, and we spend a lot of time, we can actually communicate with us in time. So writing became our first ideology of writing through time, intergenerational distributed knowledge. We're still into distributed knowledge. You had to know how to read. Only a few people did. But those people could go back and find out what their grandparents and great-grandparents and as long as they can keep that knowledge intact, either through paintings, symbols on the wall, hieroglyphs, or other scrolls, or other forms of writing, we were able to tap into that ancestral knowledge. <clears throat> so good ancestors made sure that their knowledge, once, once the writing came into being, would be passed on to their children and their grandchildren and their families. Being a good ancestor assures that the knowledge that we have stored in writing is preserved. And then came, you know, we had books. You know, everything's good, bird was the beginning of books. No, we had books for a long time. They were handmade, hand-drawn, layered pieces of parchment. As our paper technology, can remember, our paper technology had come along. Every technological advance was based on technological advances of earlier times. We had to learn how to make more and more paper. Eventually, paper got common. I mean, paper, before the printing press even became a viable thing, we had to be able to make enough paper to want to use the printing press. So paper has been one of these things that has transcended down through history, where it was very rare, very precious, made of very rare materials, papyruses. There's all sorts of different ways of doing it. Clay, just making in stone on stone, eventually we get it on paper, parchments, plant materials. Uh, we learn to discover all the things, and then eventually we learn rag paper. And paper, the price of paper has steadily come down to it. To today, we have so much paper. We talked about drawing paper that I could buy a pad of college rule newspaper for about a buck, maybe two. I just recently bought it from because school was coming back into it. For 50 cents, they got 150 pieces of paper. Yeah, our, our ancestors would just be cringing and, and glorifying how how valuable that tool is. And I have pens, you know, and that doesn't include like the pens, the writings, the markers. I mean, so all these things required advances. And today I buy really good quality pens at about two bucks. And if you put it in terms, I have to work uh, approximately a minimum wage in the world of $15 an hour. Let's make it $20 an hour. I would have, uh, at $20 an hour, if you earn $20 an hour, for me to own paper and pen, it would take me approximately 15, uh, like 14 minutes 
probably a little less, 13 and a half minutes of working to earn the right to have paper and a pen. Guarantee it was never that cheap before in history. Never. Um, and paper may be going back up in price because scarcity, because we, we are not using it as much because of what we've advanced into. But by the time you get to the printing press, there's enough paper being produced and enough books being sold and enough people wanting copies of books, which were then hand-copied. And everybody thinks everything was hand-copied. No, they also had woodcuts. They already had some forms of printing when the printing press came along. Everybody always thinks the Gutenberg and the printing press was like, that. Yeah, well, we already saw a lot of these advances in China and in the Asian countries. Um, they were already doing some of this printing, but a lot of people were doing block cuts, where they would cut, cut it out of the block, make your paper, then ink it, and then push it against the paper. I mean, that is the predecessor. They were already doing that. So there's a lot of books that are called woodcut books where they would just reprint them over so they knew there was a desire for a copy, right? But Gutenberg came in and made the printing press, which would come to movable type, and we were able to kind of start producing more and more content intergenerationally. So now we have an explosion of um, handwritten books, the burning of Alexander was so tragic because of it, the handwritten, hand-copied, woodblock, chloroforms, and other types of imagery were passed down, which were fantastic, and we were able to learn and pass down this knowledge. <clears throat> so now we get into, I know what's the, what is the point of this, right? There's a point to this, so I'm going to get to it. And now we have the books, and the books are producing. And so now we have written records and are, they're ever expanding and in the words of great the great fader bonowitz which i will always say pagans don't have holy books they have holy libraries so we began this sort of accumulation but it hasn't moved away from what it is so while we're storing all this knowledge in libraries and uh with the beautiful libraries send me pictures of your library too at the pagan you can check me out at Harvard. yeah just look me up uh, send me pictures you know put them up on my page show me your libraries I want to see your libraries, and we'll start talking about that. Having said that, they became other forms of distributed intelligence, which means we have this larger outer brain storing information in various forms that we can then, as individuals and collectively, go to to gather more. But we still have to process it in distributed knowledge, so we still are seeing the differentiation of human beings. We add Soon we're adding audio and video or visuals, and that sped up everything. That changed the way we spoke. That changed the language as well, and now we can communicate. And then we added wireless communication, meaning we could send first audio and then visual, and now data. Literally everything in the world can be then sent electronically to each other. So now we have the storage system of distributed knowledge, all sorts of different websites. There is no unified place inside our heads and now inside the machines that we are creating to make our minds work better. And that's been racing along. And now we get to the online community. Where is this all headed? I believe it's heading towards the metaverse, which means audio, uh, where voice takes over. We see a lot more voice, a lot more touch screens, um, virtual touchscreens, lenses, hearing, 
we're going to be in a full sensory ability to project into the, the computer. Right now, due to what uh, Skylink and other things, we actually live inside the Internet. All those waves of the Internet and all that communication and all of it, the Earth is completely saturated now with the waves of the Internet. And that literally, if you have the money, you can pick up the Internet anywhere by having the interfaces. And those interfaces are coming down ever cheaper. And it really changed the way the community works because I've been podcasting for 13 years and I've been doing radio for almost 30 years. It's, it's hard to believe that. And all of these communications were not well looked upon by a lot of the communities that I'm involved with because they saw it taking away from what they thought was the apprentice model, um, monthly classes, monthly sessions, the Rotary Club style, the how we call the Mason style, the industrial style of group building, which was regular scheduled meetings and classes and events and rituals and all of that. And you learn through a combination of apprentice. And as books started to come in, it basically made it, at first it was like wonderful, but eventually deteriorated against that apprentice level because people then began to become, instead of being a humanist religion, whereas humans were the centric of it, Somewhere in the 90s, I really think we, we became informationally based and that we began to venerate the authors and we began once again to take language and the written language and make that the, the bellwether of our leadership in our community. And that was an essential that change. And it still is. It's still very true. I came in in the mid-90s, or 90, to be honest, 92, and I started broadcasting. So my medium has been broadcasting and mass broadcasting through this sort of thing. So that's the online community. So what's next? I think what's next is all of these things are possible. I actually have control of an entire – one time someone would have said it would have been a media empire. I have the ability to distribute vast amounts of content of mine and other people's at near zero distribution costs and nearing zero friction as direct to the consumer. That's the good news. The bad news is almost everybody else has this capability. I'm a little bit more advanced than most, and I have a bit more experience than most, but that definitely is something, let me be honest with you, is, is, not, is now shared. So I don't have, so I have the advantage of being able to do all this stuff, but then what I have to share in it is that I have to compete against everybody else. And so that is amazing to me. So to, tomorrow I'm going to do the 20th anniversary. And also what I want to know from you is who are the big TikTok? Who, what do you think about TikTok? Who are the big TikTok witches? But I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk a little bit about techno witches um, that I have. And uh, for future reference, 646-787-1928 will be the number so if you come and join me. But right now I'm going to play Brian Hankey, uh, Fill Your Eyes with dreams.
Brian Hanke, uh, Hanke with uh, Fill Your Eyes with Dreams. So I'm going to leave this. So I want to talk a little bit about techno witches, and I have a great piece on that I'm going I'm to share with all of you. But before we do it, so everything I'm, we're heading for, everybody's asking what is the online community going to look like, it's really going to be in the hands of those who, who master the next concept called social broadcasting. And what do I mean by social broadcasting? It's a pretty unique term, not very well used. It's a buzz, it's going to be a buzzword here in the future shortly. Yeah, but I want you to know that you probably are going to be one of the first times you've heard it. If, you, if not, there's not a lot of explanation on it. But the idea of it is if we have social media, i.e. the ability to communicate uh, to it, social broadcasting is your ability to communicate within that. I mean, right now you have the power of a broadcast television network. You can take... Um, like we do, we do, we say caster was dot our you know, caster dot io restream is supposedly good too, but I we use caster, and we project shows and radio and all sorts of different things with shows and record them and project classes and we project a lot of visual content across multiple platforms, both live and recorded, and that that social broadcasting goes from one-to-one communication, i.e., we could be uh, simply me talking to you on a one-to-one basis, like a psychic chair or like a reading, where it's just one-to-one person. We actually have, with Tea Time, a lot of times when they do their show, it is, well, it's one person to, 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 to the machine recording. They record it for it, and there's two people talking, so that's a way of doing it. To mass communication, such as my uh, the podcast, which will go on to iPhone, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are regularly known. Please look us up. It's uh, and we're so excited, always able to do that for you. And we've been on the air for 13 years. We have over 3,200 shows and 6,000 hours of podcasting. So yeah, so this is like 
we do a lot of this. So we, we know that there's a lot of communication. So that has been building community all along. And ultimately, I think community is about communication. So that's why the whole issue of language is important. And when our language is changing, we're about to have emoticons. Let's talk about emoticons on the TikTok show on Friday. I'm going to do a show about TikTok. Be warned. I like TikTok. I just don't do much with it. So I want to talk to you guys about TikTok. Do you like TikTok? And so we're going to talk about that on Friday. But so social broadcasting is the singular, simple concept of projecting imagery out to it. And those who master that next in the pagan world is going to be able to set a lot of the next generational pieces of knowledge because of the way we're changing and how we're communicating. It'll be about who can socially broadcast and then who can then lead them to distributed knowledge that we contain to be able to teach them our sort of thoughts. So, the bottom of the hour, you can too, and starting next week, we're going to have other people's uh, businesses. But here we go. Pagans Tonight Radio is sponsored by witchschool.com. Your anyone, anywhere, anytime online magical education. And so, and good day, uh, everybody. This is Ed the Pagan, along with us on another great lecture about the Halloween Psychic Fair. I hope that you're all enjoying it, and there's a lot more to come. Uh, join us this week as we're going to see Simple Magic by Byron Ballard, Dreams Case by RJ, uh, Lord Don's horror movie, Library of Horror, which is going to be Dementia 13 this week, and next week, High Magic with Phil Farber. But tonight, I'm going to take you into another realm, a realm that is emerging on us so rapidly, so quickly, so fast, that's going to forever change the pagan world. Welcome to the world of the techno-witch, coming of the techno-witch. And everybody goes, oh, what is a techno-witch? A techno-witch, like everybody else in the science, is that basically is a witch who does their job, because witches have always used the technology of nature. We hear this over and over again. We're herbalists. We're, you know, we're medicine people, we're users of tools, and we've always been users of tools. The difference is, is that what we call witchcraft were really gentle sciences waiting to be born. And so we have that. But people ask me, so what do you mean by being a techno-witch? Well, a techno-witch recognizes that we're dealing with a new dimension. We call it cyberspace. We access it through crystals and intelligent electricity motivated through crystalline forms that are built by meticulous mages who build these types of things. And it is commanded by one of the most powerful things in the world, our imagination, our creativity. And then that creativity and imagination is then created into words. Uh, Terrence McKenna said that, you know, the magic of the world is words. And if you know the words of the world, you can change it into what you'd like. Terrence McKenna, more or less, probably paraphrasing it. But it is a very important aspect that our words change the world we exist in. So today, we're dealing with a world of hyperreality. 2020 accelerated the future and gave us a lot of different things into this world 
So we're here. We hear Zoom. When I was a kid, Zoom was a great television show. You know, Zoom, 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 uh, Zoom. And we're talking about, and it was very much about talking about us in the future. This year, we are now seeing the new verb, Zoom, to mean instantaneous travel into cyberspaces in order to meet people. And thank you for joining me today in what is today, meeting me here in cyberspace. And from that moment on, not only did I gain the ability, and I've had some of the abilities, to basically be able to meet you in cyberspace and have all my people attending the classes, and all of you beyond that to see it. I'm also recording it so that my great-grandchild, 50, 75 years from now, is going to go, oh, okay, Grandpa, in this very primitive beginning, was able to plant his cave painting on the wall of cyberspace. That's right. Um, I'm known for my statement is that we're the last of the, I'm the last generation of the planetary caveman sitting at the bottom of the gravity well, and that in this generation, we will change the ways we are or we will no longer be, um, and there will be born a new type of race of humanity. I truly believe that. And today, the techno-witch is about to become the most powerful singular aspect of witchcraft. Today, let me go ahead and take you probably one of the more controversial pieces, TikTok. TikTok is now the home of the TikTok witch community. And it has changed the language of learning how to talk in memes, one minute or less videos, and discussing it and finding a cohesion in our community. And our individuals there are adding hundreds of thousands of people to gather their attention. But let me go ahead and give you the five most important aspects of a techno-witch. So the five powers of the techno-witch are as follows. Let me go ahead and start with one. They always question out of curiosity and suspicion. Our ability to, to understand and form questions is a uniquely powerful experience. It isn't that we necessarily need to know the answers, but we do need to know how to phrase the question especially when we have now the Akashic Records in the form of Google and other systems that will be able to answer almost any question we want. And so powerful drivers, even if the question is not known, to be able to formulate answers, the ability to phrase the question will become essential. We're eventually going to have, in a very short period of time, when I say going to, I mean within the next five years, people whose whole job is, is to properly phrase questions. Not what color is the sky, blue or gray, depending on the day, but go beyond that and to ask the essential questions beyond that. What is the nature of the sky? And that is going to throw most computers into a fit. But now we're going to see people go ahead and, and be able to question the question, the question, the question, and find the real answers. Because the question gives us the application that we need to change in our lives. And we're going to see this in our psychology in our nature and the way we ask of magic and nature. So the question, whether it comes from curiosity or suspicion, will become the primary driver of human intellect. Not the answers, but the question in and of itself. And of course, witches excel in question. We question everything. Every witch goes, they do. Witches can speak with non-human intelligences. We are essentially one part of the community that essentially deals with speaking with non-human intelligences. What do I mean by that? We, we talk about us communing with our crystals, communing with uh, nature, communing with trees, communing. We find ways to 
commune with other things. Now, one of the biggest ones in all of pagandom, that witches talk to crows and ravens. And now scientists have come to a very startling conclusion for them, very old answer for us, is that crows and ravens are absolutely self-aware, that they have the ability of self-awareness in a far greater degree than we realize. And so when we talked about we used to talk to crows, we were talking to other beings which were self-aware, and we were aware of that. And so that we could talk to them. We could understand that they had a language. We were able to learn it because we took the time to learn it. We communicate with non-human intelligences all the time, intelligence other than humans. And so now as we move into the computer age, what does that mean? Well, as robots and mechanical items and a refrigerator gets intelligence and everything becomes embedded with intelligence, we're really returning to animism, something that we do well. And in these intelligences, we already know how to speak with what I would call non-human intelligence. So we're already equipped to deal with an intelligent car. We already name our cars, don't we? How many of you named your car? Come on, be honest. What if when you name your car, it accepts the name and even responds to it? We're already equipped to that. So the witch is already equipped to talk to non-human intelligences. And our future world is going to be embedded with all of this. And so we see that. And I saw one of the, uh, uh, Mary, yeah, Rogue One is a good example of that ideology. It's becoming more and more of it. Not only do witches speak with non but with number three, witches speak with spiritual entities. We speak with the dead. We speak with spirits. We speak with things that are not of this world directly. We talk about fairies. We talk about angels. We talk about ghosts. We talk about dead. We talk about deities we talk about the divine we talk about you know there are members of our community that speak to the galactic federation and channel powerful entities across the board we talk about channeling past lives we talk about channeling entities that are not part of the world per se well now we're going to come to a point where today we're now coding we're the dawn star ancestors of the future we are beginning to code our own spiritual entities that will have an actual powerful effect on our uh, descendants. If we don't pay attention to this, we're going to lose an amazing capability to affect others. And what am I talking about? Well, as everything gets embedded with intelligence, and some of it's going to be artificial intelligence through, art, through the mechanisms of crystal energies put through divine and intelligent electricity, we're going to see things like Siri, Alexa, Corda, and dozens of other people playing replica. And all of these are spiritual entities, cybernetic entities, entities that are nothing more than organized electricity within certain paradigms and that we will interact with them and they will be able to affect our world directly. You talk to Alexa and say, Alexa, I need a pizza. Right? If you don't have a brand and they don't ask for a particular pizza, they will be then caught on the corporate end of Amazon giving you whatever pizza they want to give you. But then you'll be able to say, I want a pizza. And, and the spirit will go, well, how soon? I said, as soon as possible. Within 10 minutes, we might have a pizza at our door. Or other things like that. It says, you know, remind me in 10 years of what I said today. 
and as time goes by, 10 years come on, just your, your spirit, your cyber spirit, your companion, your familiar on the electronic realm, yes, you can build a familiar that will then answer you 10 years from now. Go, do you remember when you asked me to remind you of this? So we as witches are used to speaking with spiritual entities and even commanding them and bringing them forth inside cyberspace, which is now emerging as a very real space that exists inside between the crystals that we can activate through devices, aren't we going to be able to speak with spiritual entities? We're used to that. Isn't that amazing? I think it's a fascinating concept, but it's true. And we're trying to do programming with it. What is it? It's commanded by language and code. Witches know the next thing. Witches know to clear their ores and ground. Wow, that's an interesting idea. That's true, right? Everybody knows that's kind of true. We kind of always want to clear, you know, we're always grounding, meditating, clearing our auras, clearing our auras. Well, in cyberspace, witches know this so well, they will find ways to clear their digital auras, you know, clean their cookies, see where the sources of where their anxiety comes from. As they accept the reality of cyberspace, the matrix that we are now already part of, yes. People ask me, are you we part of the matrix? Yes, we are. And everything sits the world around us, but we're about to create one for ourselves. That we are always paying attention to how auras work. And in, space, in cyberspace, that is where our free will comes to the digital interface and then enter, enters cyberspace. And all of that data, all of that energy, all of the pictures, all of the passwords, all of the ways we act in it, including being in this class tonight, all add to our digital auras. And then from our digital auras, we create a presence. And by that presence, we enter the cyberspace and we create these sort of abilities. And that digital aura is an amazing capability. And you have to understand, it is going to be paramount to what we do in the future. So right now, which is going to be looked at? Not only do we know how to talk about these energies, but we know how to look at our own energy. And because it's Halloween, I'm thinking on the fifth roll, which is know where the keys are. For Hecate is a, a keeper of the keys. And what do I mean by keys? Bits and pieces of knowledge of our consciousness that is so vitally important to us. Um, keys are loved by witches. They are the images and patterns. They are understood to be conscious to our worldview. And we work very hard to be able to unlock things within ourselves. And they can actually be really physical keys. People wear keys. People use keys. And we hide our treasures in boxes and doors and things like that. We have to open up the keys. Well, in digital space, a password is a key. If you know a password, you can get into spaces you're not supposed to. Also, knowing where that building exists is another key. Um, knowing who to talk to to get an answer is another key. These keys are essential. Keys are essential, and that is going to become more and more important as we go out into the future, including blockchain, including a way we hide our spell books, how we talk to each other, how do we find secrets. So these keys are essential to the way we act in, in cyberspace. Witches love keys, and they love to know where keys are. So as a rule, we're going to become better and better at it. Um, how, many, how many different websites do you have access to? How many services do you have access to? I have probably, I just took an inventory in, in checking out my digital aura and how many different locations will recognize me if I put in a password. And I have over 220 of them that will actually go out and let me in. Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, we know about these. But I have a further one. 
MeWe, um, House Party, we go on from there. We're talking about all sorts of apps, uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. We can go back on that. I'm also got GitHub, uh, Grubhub. I got LifeBanks, plus I've got other private services that I'm part of, Discord. All of these represent keys into spaces that we have. How many different ones it is? And now I'm asking people, I've gotten into the habit, according to the rules, making sure our digital aura is clean, is making sure that places that I'm in that have my passwords and if I'm not going to go back into them. Um, like festivals this year. A lot of festivals had me sign up for things like Microsoft Teams and other spaces within themselves. And then I've asked them to remove me once I've completed this task because I don't need to absolutely go out there. So those keys are essential. And you know how frustrating it is when you don't have a key. So witches love keys and they start to keep beginning to really access them. And it's going to be important because your legacy passing on these keys will be essential as we kind of continue on. But those who have heard my speech on this before have heard this part. So I'm going to offer you a new piece that I'm going to offer. And it's a, and we all know the witch's role. As above, so below, as within, as the, as, let me do it again. As above, so below, so within, so without, as the universe goes the soul. And so we all have heard this before. And we love this phrase. We love this statement. And uh, it's, you know, attributed to, let me make sure I got it, Hermes, try, uh, Hermes, try, never pronounce the word, Trimagatis, it is that. But it is in our relationship with the divine that we believe is reflective of nature, of nature of universal energy, that we are the higher self of the gods of the divine is also founded in the human being and all life upon this planet and the physical plane. So what happens in the heavens happens on earth. So what is as within our soul is so without, so is God, so behave. As the universe, the universe represents us, so our soul. And so we have this. So cyberspace actually inverses this relationship. We are the higher self to cyberspace. Have you ever played a video game? Well, the video character is very real within that physical world. It can die, it can be damaged, it can be resurrected, it can play, it can change, it can grow. It can manifest. It can become all sorts of different things. So as above, us playing it, so below within the game. So we are the higher self of cyberspace. Think about that. Just as we believe the divine and there's a higher level of monad up here, cyberspace has us down here. Isn't that kind of a weird thought? But it's true. And our screens and devices look into the global web below us. We we are not looking above us. We're not looking to the heavens and the sky. We're looking down below, looking within that space. And more and more, we're going to see ourselves go into that space. We're not going to ascend to that space. We're going to descend into that space. Uh, when we put on VR glasses, we're going to go uplink, and we're meaning to go up into that space or into that space. So as above, so below. Uh, so within, so without. Well, this is going to be very different. So what's within us right now is what we believe the world is outside. So what we request from within goes without. In cyberspace, we are now going to take it the other way. So what is without, uh, we existing outside that cyberspace on a physical level for now, 
you know, we're not Tron yet. We're not being digitized and put in there. We will soon have some of the aspect. Won't be our material selves, but our mental, spiritual selves will go into that space. We're now going to look at it as it is so much in. So without as within, meaning everything we're creating on the outside, our imagination, our creativity, our language, our coding, our, our essential ideas, are going to create these realities within cyberspace and that we're going to project it within to that space. So we're going to go from outside to within of our cyberspace selves. Isn't that a fascinating idea? And then, and our goal will be to get deeper into cyberspace. How do we get deeper in there? How do we get ourselves more from without to within? And so, and whereas we're trying to take everything that's within now and throw it out, our, what is technology, but the crystallization and condensation of our imagination. And so, as the universe, so the soul. So this is, and so what is the difference? So as our soul moves, so does the universe of cyberspace. We are the gods of cyberspace. We are the creative force. And as we create more and more, what are we going to do when we start creating reality games where we have artificial intelligence acting out and thinking of themselves as aware and self-creative? What do we do when in that space? When it becomes so embedded with intelligence, it reacts to us. So as our soul moves, as we want to express our soul, we will be able to create vast universes. And we've already begun to do this. In fact, what are our festivals this year but the manifestations of an outside space to the within side space? Recently, I've done a number of events. Uh, the last one was, uh, well, Psychic Fair right now, HollywoodPsychicFair.com. Go out there. We're, we're simulating that. Then before that was the Nashville Pagan Pride where everybody got to meet instantaneous transportation to a cyberspace to try and work as best they can to duplicate much of the effect that they would have at, at a festival. As that improves, it will be easier and easier to move into those spaces and do so. And what if we took that? Or then we did a Witch Fest out of New York. We did a, a Pagan Unity Festival. We did a Three Gates Mystery School, the, the, the Mystery School. And all of these were about drawing everybody into cyberspace and giving them experience, which simulated, which his came as close as we could at this time to having the relationships. And we improved relationships through that. We enhanced our relationship. Our souls, instead of withering in loneliness during this COVID period of time, were able to expand. And we were able to meet people and talk with people that normally would not. When we start taking the barrier between this universe we're creating in cyberspace and, and being able to express our souls in cyberspace, so too will we be able to reflect into the universe where our souls meet there as well. Can you imagine, you know, people who cannot go to festivals now being able to maybe move their presence, their telepresence from out to within, they move into a, a robotic body from their home, maybe wearing goggles, wearing earphones, and they kind of drive it through a festival. Or imagine a guest, you know, people who've been guests for years. I've heard a couple of people mention that they don't, they want to be, you know, you know they want to keep being door guests, that we set up a screen where they've got cameras going on and they can hear everything. And people can come walk up and say, hi, how are you doing? And they go, oh, sitting from the comfort of the home, being instantaneously transported to wherever the location is and being able to be in their traditional readers. Imagine that the inability, the disability of the body becomes enhanced and becomes the freedom of the soul. So that as the soul, as, as the soul moves, so will the universe move with it. 
so as a as a, so as a techno witch, so below as above, so without, so within, as the soul, so goes the so goes cyberspace, and that is a very powerful moment to think about it. So if you are really a techno witch, you're dealing with both the outside world, the inside world, and the spaces between. We've been there before, and so we we say we've always been between three worlds. We've been between the spirit world the physical world, and the divine world. Now we're adding cyberspace. And the cyberspace is the most manifested version of the spiritual world, the mental world. And we have real power of imagination. We are really part part of ourselves. So as a techno-witch, you'll be able to do so. And people are asking me, so does this mean we'll be able to cast spells? Yes, absolutely, same thing. We're about to do a great morning ritual, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, October 31st at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, we're going to be doing that uh, throughout the on the web. We're going to have dozens of people participate. And we're going to be able to come together for a big ritual. Will that ritual be the same as if it were in physical? In some aspects, yes. It'll have much of the same traffic. What it will not have is a limitation to how many people can come become involved, how many can simultaneously see it. How many people can simultaneously hear it? How many people can actually feel and affect the energy? That, my friends, will be able to do so. So the biggest thing you have to understand that technology is now disrupting the world of witchcraft. And if you say, oh, we can't do that. Remember, I was once upon a time the only person in the world who believed that you could build a school, a witch school online. I was laughed at. I was ridiculed. Today, there are dozens of them set by our example, and um, we've been around for 20 years now. And so we were able to do that. People who laughed at me or did so many years ridiculous, they think we could build a seven-day-a-week radio station without spending millions of dollars. We did that, called Pegasus Night Radio, with 3,200. As of today, literally, we recorded our 3,200th session. We could run a television station on pennies on the dollar. We've done that, Magic TV, through the use of YouTube. Um, Halloween psychic fairs that do so. And uh, even the book that I'm writing, The Rise of the Technomage, is going to be a hyperlinked book that will exist both in cyberspace as well as physicality. And um, the big project I'm going to start next year is Timeless City. And that deals with the afterlife. That's right. That which you remember lives. And so I'm going to leave one last thought to you. Not only am I talking about the magic of today and bringing in all of the magic of the past, but I am asking you to join me on a journey that can take us into forever. Timeless city. Imagine that which remembers live. What if we could never forget? What if we create reliquaries that remembers us all? Spaces that never forget who we were. What if we could speak to the dead? And what if we prepare for the moment where we ourselves are able to speak with the future descendants we are the dawn saw our ancestors. Never before in history have we been more recorded, more created, more ability to change culture. We're like the cave painters. We're like the, um, the early drummers. You know, people ask me, oh, what famous musician do you want to meet? Think about it. What is the most famous musician you want to meet? My answer has always been the same. I want to meet the first drummer who got the first person to dance. That's who I want to meet. What was that? moment for them of ultimately divine creation 
to finally drum well enough that other people dance to. I want to meet the first drummer that people dance to. I want to meet the first dancer that they do. Because we all descended from that. And today, people are going to ask, well, who are the first people to breach cyberspace to make a significant difference in how the magical world works? And I'm looking at them today. I'm looking at them right now. Yes, right now, the ancestors that will be remembered, not all of us, a lot of us are going to ignore this. In fact, I can tell you the truth. 99% of us will be forgotten within five years of our death. Remember the three deaths. You know what the three deaths are? Okay, I can see people shaking their head no. The first death is the day we learn about our mortality. Our first time we die is when we learn that we're going to die. It takes a little bit out of us. The second death is your physical death, when your organic body falls to the ground and does not rise. And the third death is the last day someone ever mentions your name. How fast or how quick that happens, we do not know. People can forget you very quickly or it can last for a long time. I think as the pagans could be remembered for a long, long time. I'm iconic. I've done a lot of things that are going to make a difference. I think I've created magic that will last for a very, very long time. I think that through my influences, I've been able to get people to start doing things that will last for at least a century. You know, the witch school will last. People will love magic TV. And our descendants and our grand descendants, you know, I, most people don't realize, I, I, I actually have a book that's been distributed more than 100,000 times, and I have a second book that's been distributed more than 400,000 times, but the number of physical copies are probably under 100 each. The first one is Witchworth Defense Manual. The second one is the Common Book of Witch, Witch, uh, Witchcraft, which is wrote in the common terms. So we can conceive of it. So the last power of a witch that which a witch can, can imagine and will into existence is that which they can conceive. That which is our imagination with which we have the will to conceive can happen. Cyberspace is that space where everything we can imagine not only have the will to create and can be conceived, but it can happen at near zero friction and then last forever. So I say to you again, so blow as above, so without, so within, so the soul goes, so goes cyberspace. It may be an inversion of what you're used to speaking, but isn't that an amazing thought? You are the higher self. They are creating a space, a whole new dimension of reality. And I want to get me started about language icons. Well, do, please do. But I will be bringing that up into more speeches. I will offer that in more lessons how we're changing the language, how our words and signals are going to be important, how every word we possess is going to change, how, how we gesture, and most importantly, how psychic skills are also cyberspace skills, clairvoyance, clairaudience, telepathy. I think all of those things are amazing aspects. But today, the techno witch. So in closing, be curious and ask questions, number one. Two, understand that you know how to speak to non-human intelligence. Don't be afraid of the computer because it's it's a non-human intelligence. We know how to speak to spiritual entities. So we'll be able to talk to cyber spirits in a major way. We're going to you know, definitely know how to clean our auras and maintain our energy and ground properly. Same goes through our you know, hygiene. And people are going to be asking us. People are going to be crying. You know, today we're talking about, oh, they broke up with me and they're so hateful. 
We're going to be hearing people go, he broke up with me on text. Can you imagine that? Or, oh, my God, I, I had this long-range romance, and we've been having it for years. Imagine VR, which is now, don't think it could happen very shortly, 40 million VR units are going to be sold this year at Christmas time. Next year, it'll be 100 million. In the United States, I'm just talking about the United States and around the world. And then the year after that, probably 200 million, and eventually we're going to get into hundreds of millions of VR pieces, and everybody's going to enter VR world in under five worlds. Can you imagine having romances there? Like you come and say, oh, I want a love spell. Okay. We don't start marriages with a kidnapping. But you're going to be asked to do, you know, do protection spells and energy spells and blessing spells. I think just because we're in VR, it's going to stop. It's actually going to speed up. Just look at TikTok. Look at the number of witches on TikTok. And look at the number of people who are giving them attention. So I'm going to close with Blessed Be. Happy Halloween. Blessed Samhain. Happy Belting. Whatever year you're watching this. And remember, you are not just, don't just have a higher self. You are now becoming a higher self to another dimension, to another world. And your magic is growing exponentially. Thank you. And have a great evening. And be back tomorrow for and be back tomorrow for uh, more with us. So tomorrow night we're going to have the Witch School. We're going to talk about the 20th anniversary of Witch School. And then on Friday, I'm going to do TikTok Witches. I want to know what it is. So tomorrow's question is, um, it's very simple. I'm going to ask you, does Witch School, you know, what does Witch School mean for the future? And I'm going to ask some people about this, uh, very important people, such as Reverend Don Lewis and more. And remember, you can be part of my show, too. So it's edthepagan at gmail.com or edthepagan, not anywhere. Just hunt me down and, you know, send me a message. I'm looking for great hosts. I'm looking for people who uh, would love to be guests on my show. And, you know, you can just call in, too. We're going we're gonna to have much more of that conversation. 646-787-1928. Well, good night, folks, and enjoy. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with our continued experimentation and expansion and the return of Pagan Tonight Radio.